the online world shouldn't be a, a wild west where, where bots and, and bigots and trolls and others can just anonymously going around and harm people and hurt people. On Monday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced that new anti-troll legislation will be introduced to Parliament next year. These laws are designed to hold social media services accountable for hurtful comments published on their platforms. The laws are also pushing for these companies to release the identity of those who publish hateful comments if legal action is pursued by the victim. I spoke to Lauren Rosewarn, an Associate Professor in the School of Social and Political Sciences at the University of Melbourne. We discuss what this new policy will entail, as well as its effectiveness. There is obviously a problem with trolling you know, in, in the world because the issue of people being able to operate online anonymously. So that's the policy problem. Now, the policy solution here that's being proposed by the government in Australia is that we're going to eliminate the ability to be anonymous online so that when you register your social media accounts, you need to provide personal documentation. In introducing the new law, Morrison has focused on the idea of lessening the prevalence of online trolling, but the legislation seems to largely deal with issues of defamation. I asked Jennifer Beckett, a lecturer in media and communications at the University of Melbourne, what the difference is between trolling and defamation, and what this could mean for victims of online trolling under this new legislation. So trolling is a kind of word we use for a catch-all set of behaviours that can be anything from rickrolling all the way through to threatening and harassing behaviour. And yes, some of that behaviour might be defamatory. Defamation, on the other hand, is publicly bringing someone's reputation into disrepute. So it's damaging somebody's reputation. Most people, the experience that they're having of bullying and harassment doesn't fall under the definition of defamation. So this law wouldn't help you. So if bullying and harassment doesn't fall under the definition of defamation, who is this legislation benefiting? I spoke to Sydney-based lawyer Jahan Kalanta to find out. This particular legislation, I think it's more geared towards protecting the strong and the great from having to face the consequences of um, some of their policies. Beckett seems to agree. In her article in The Conversation, she highlights that several of the highest profile Australian social media defamation cases are to be found among the government itself. She states, so while it might sound cynical, we're entitled to wonder whom this policy is really designed to help. Rose Warren points out that a 15-year-old experiencing trolling online is just not going to have the resources to pursue a court case and further questions the court's ability to do so. I'm just not sure it's sufficient to have this in the burden of the legal system as your first recourse. What we need is platforms that are more responsive. And this is why this legislation to me is layers of problem. We need the social media companies to act upon complaints and leave it at that, as opposed to feeling like every time I'm harassed online, I have to take it to court. That doesn't seem like a sensible use of resources. Beckett, Kalanta and Rosewarn seem to point out that this legislation addresses a lot of problems within the digital sphere, but may not provide an appropriate solution. I asked these experts what they thought would be an effective way to stop online hate, bullying and trolling. And one of the things that everyone is very keen to talk about is what's getting taken down, like what's being censored. But when we look at what drives the culture of a platform, it's not what's getting taken down that matters, it's what's being left behind that matters. Because all of those things are signals to us as users that this is acceptable behaviour. So if we want to change the culture of online bullying and harassment, then we need to look at how we're going to change the culture online. And importantly, in Australia, how are we going to change our offline behaviours and cultures? 
I think that one of the one of the difficulties with government generally is that it always moves slower than the technology and the social zeitgeist. And so it's very difficult to make laws that effectively deal with today. It's it's almost like every law that's uh, that's drafted is perfect for five to ten years ago. What I think needs to really happen is consultation with the relevant parties, including young people, and in fact, especially young people. Young people are often using the internet to be anonymous so that they can experiment with identity and different kinds of things related to gender and sexuality. If I have to be outed with my name attached, that's a fearful proposition for a number of young people. So I, I, th- I think that there is a lot of cons in, in, in this policy. Social media continues to provide a space where young adults can express themselves, feel included within a community and connect with loved ones from all over the world. It is important that this space remains safe and that policies prioritise the protection of users. This is Mimi Hoffman from Panorama.